in my family, among my children, there is generally a look of dread that comes over their face, any one of them that might be home at the time, if they see me reach into my toolbox and get out any sort of uh, tool because they're aware out of my rather long and painful personal history that I normally mess up a whole lot more than I fix up. I would be classified without any hesitation as being the original klutz. Uh, I'm just not a fixer-upper or a do-it-yourselfer. If I buy a do-it-yourself kit of something, I best buy two because it'll take two before I could get one of whatever it is taken care of. Now, as I try to analyze my inability to do anything constructively in that way, I, I have to acknowledge that I generally do not have the right tools. Now, I've got two or three toolboxes full of tools. I was in a hardware store yesterday morning, and I saw more interesting tools that, that I just knew I could have some kind of use for, but I, I resisted, and I didn't do it. I just got what I went to that hardware store for. But I tell you, it's hard to go into a hardware store and, and come out without something for the toolbox, far as it gets, generally. But then when I do need a tool, I dig through those toolboxes, and sure enough, I generally don't have the right tool. Or if I start to build something, uh, I suppose it would be a good line to put on my tombstone uh, he tried, but he's an eighth of an inch short. <laughs> because invariably, the board will be a little too long or a little too short or something like that. I have lived where I happen to live now for seven or eight years, and there's a nice patio as part of that place, and um, over the years, I've added a little of this and a little of that out in the patio and some flower boxes. And I really did a smart thing back there early. I, I had flower boxes built in the patio, and they come together at a corner, but they come together at the place where the water faucet is, and it's located down under the level, you know, of the ground. Well, it was hard to get to before I had them put the flower boxes there. And now I'm really a contortionist, just really, for seven years, I just stand on my head to try to get the water faucet turned on to water whatever I happen to not want to see die in the next day or two out in my patio. Well, many of you know Rob Jackson, the good old retiree from the Sunday School Board, head of the photography department for a long time. Rob and I are Saturday morning breakfast buddies, and so I was telling him about my pains and getting down and trying to just get the water faucet turned on and turned off. He said, how long has this been going on? I said, oh, I guess about seven years, as long as I've lived there. He said, well, it's about time we did something about it. And that's the reason I was in, uh, in a hardware store yesterday morning is because Rob said, let's go see what you need. He drove me to the hardware store 
I bought what was needed, went back. I didn't do it, thank goodness, no, it works now. He put an extension on for me. Rob did it, and I want to salute him tonight because, you see, he had the right tools, and he knew what to do and what needed to be done. Those of us who are Christians sometimes find that our very Christian life is a whole lot like my klutzy, fix-it-up life. Sometimes we find that we, when we try to do something, we make more mistakes and we mess up more than we fix up. That's all right. Jesus certainly knows us better than we know ourselves. And Jesus is always ready to, to help us pick out the right tool for our Christian toolbox. And then if we'll let him, and if we'll be disciplined, he'll help us to use those tools in a way that will really make a difference. Oh, the list could go on and go on and go on, but I've just turned the spotlight for these few minutes tonight on just three or four of the tools that Jesus wants us to have in our Christian toolbox. Remembering that a toolbox is for the purpose of building something or fixing something or repairing something or beautifying something. Now, my plea at the very beginning is that we not have our Christian toolboxes well stocked, but then don't ever try to build anything. That's, that's not right. It is in the effort of building, it is in the effort of doing, of fixing, of repairing, that we grow as Christians and that we produce something that will be for glory, for glory for God, and a wonder to the name of Jesus. You would certainly know and expect if you were to take a piece of paper right now and write down some of the tools that Jesus wants us to have in our Christian toolbox, most of us would come up with almost the same list. Certainly a Christian who would be a worker, a fixer-upper in the kingdom of God in the church, a tool that we need without exception is the tool of love. John, in writing those little letters that we have over toward the end of our New Testament. John just goes on and on and on and on talking about love, the love of a Christian for another Christian. Here are just a few of the verses in the fourth chapter of 1 John where he writes, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to have love as a tool in our Christian's toolbox. No, wait a minute. No, he doesn't say it just that way. That's a paraphrase. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Then he writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. 
If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So regardless of any other abilities or talents or tools that you put into your own Christian toolbox, remember that love is important. And that without the presence of love in your own life, both the giving and the receiving of love, to and from God, to and from each other, then we miss out on some of the great blessings that God has in store for us. There's a story that in 1913, there was a very old uh, Russian woman, a peasant, a serf, who gave one ruble, at that time a fair amount of money, to the Russian Bible Society that was in existence at that time and has not been in existence uh, until our very time and day again. But in 1913, this old Russian peasant woman gave one ruble to the Bible Society. And one of her close friends chastised her and chided her and fussed at her and said, in the position that you're in, in the poverty that you know you can't afford to give one ruble to a Bible society. And very quietly, she is said to have responded, love is never afraid of giving too much. The thing that makes the Christian different from the non-Christian the believer different from the non-believing, the unbeliever, is the fact that in our life there is a love that we have received and that something compels us to share it with others. So whatever needs to be done in our community, whatever needs to be fixed up at home, whatever needs to be repaired at church, one of the best tools any of us can use is love. Well, you can't fuss too much at love. You may not understand it, but it's a glorious and it's a wonderful thing to experience love from another and to give love to another. And that's an important tool that we ought to have. Jesus, in fact, drew a pretty strong line one time when he said, by this one thing, will all men know that you're my disciple, that you belong to me, that you're my student. By this shall all men know that you're mine, what? That you love one another. And when Christians do not love each other, there's something wrong. Always agree, never. But we are commanded to love. And that's an extremely important tool in our Christian life. There's another tool that the Bible tells us about. Peter, 
writing in his first letter, the fifth chapter and the fifth verse says this, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Nothing's wrong with a good case of humility. Most of the problems that we have with each other at home or at work or at school or wherever, most of our problems come about because of somebody's exaggerated ego. And egos that get worn on the shoulder and egos that get easily bruised and egos that get offended. And when that happens, then things just go haywire. And Peter said, this is a very necessary tool for the Christian to have in the Christian's toolbox. And that is not a false, not an imitation, not a fake sense of humility, but to work at it on our knees, a humility that allows us to have the proper perspective of who we are and what we are and what has been done for us. Bruce, thanks for that beautiful solo. And the words of that speak to this so very eloquently. Who am I when we begin to think too much of ourselves? We need to ask that question, who am I? Oh, when we remember then how much Jesus loved us and what Jesus has done for us, that ought to give us the big head. But oh, then we remember why he has loved us so much. So that we in turn can love others. Be clothed. Clothing protects. Clothing gives us our persona to others that we see. It somehow tells us uh, the values that people have. Uh, rightly or wrongly, when we see the clothes that they wear. But Peter said it's very important for the Christian to be clothed, to make the appearance before others with a genuine humility and an acknowledgement of what we would be without Jesus. And with a genuine Christian humility as to what we have become in Jesus. There's another tool that the New Testament tells us about. And if a Christian will work at this, then it's a, it's a tool that's sharp and a tool that'll work and, and a tool that'll do the job that God designed it to do. And we find it over in Luke's Gospel, the 6th chapter and 37th verse. This is what it says. Forgive. And you shall be forgiven. One of the great mysteries of the New Testament when we look at the life of our Savior and we see him hanging on a cross, the beautiful, wonderful, simple, sincere, earnest Son of God, he who never sinned, he who always loved, he who never hurt, he who always lifted. We see him nailed to that terrible cross. And as he's lifted there between heaven and earth, 
and he looks down upon the Roman soldiers. And he listens through those ears of his that ring with the taunts of the crowd. And he looks upon the Jews who cry out, Crucify! Crucify him! Kill him! Crucify him! Jesus looked toward the Father and said, Father, don't blame them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When the Christian learns to handle the tool of forgiveness, that's a Christian that's growing to be more like Jesus. It's hard to forgive some people for things they've said or things they've done or hurts that they have inflicted. It's hard to forgive some people for some of the very stupidity of the way that they live and bring about such sorrow in the lives of others. But nobody said forgiveness was easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't have to work at it. Forgiveness. There's a beautiful story about a man named John the alms giver. He was a bishop hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago in Alexandria, Egypt. A nobleman comes to visit this saintly man. And the nobleman tells him, a man who had been a very close friend of mine, one I had helped, one I had loved, this friend betrayed me and has hurt me. And I will never, 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 never forgive him. And there was a bitterness like the venom of a snake that choked almost his voice. As he spoke those words of never, 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 the chapel bells began to ring, calling the people to prayer. So John, the almsgiver, the bishop of Alexandria, said to his nobleman friend, Hear the bells? It's time for us to pray. Let's do it together. Let's get on our knees and let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. And so both of them on their knees, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And at that point the bishop stopped and the nobleman kept praying. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in the silence of the room, the nobleman, knowing that the old bishop was no longer praying 
and suddenly the impact of what he had prayed came to his heart. And he stood and he embraced the old bishop and he said, I cannot finish the prayer. I must go to the one who has wounded me. One whom I have just said I would never forgive and I must go and forgive him this very night. If you do not have in your Christian toolbox the sharp tool of being able to forgive, then you're going to rob yourself of some great happiness in life. For the ability to forgive, if not always the ability to forget, the ability, the Christian ability, to use the tool of forgiveness makes all the difference in the world. One other tool. Here we find it over in the Psalms. 54th Psalm, 6th verse, where the psalmist says, I will truly sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Now I honestly don't know whether or not the psalmist was saying, O Lord, thy name is good, or I will sacrifice unto thee, I will praise thy name, for it's good for me to do it. I kind of think that's what he meant. For it is good to do some things. Here the psalmist said, I'll sacrifice. If you have never given to the point of hurting, if you have never given to the cause of Jesus Christ and to the furtherance of the kingdom and to the sending of missionaries or the building of buildings that will train and teach and help those who would go forth with the gospel, if you have never ever given of yourself to the point that it's been a sacrifice, listen to me, you have not yet given. No matter how much you think you have given, until it hurts, until it costs. You're not walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Sacrifice. An old Baptist mission society had as its emblem on an ancient metal the picture of a bull between a plow and an altar. And the motto underneath that emblem, red, ready for either toil or sacrifice. Sacrifice is a good tool to have handy. The willingness to give what you can't afford, the willingness to step out on faith. You see, if you just play it safe, if you just do it and everything all adds up and it's a nice, neat package, you never know the exhilaration of what faith really, truly accomplishes in the Christian life. Faith is stepping out into the unknown. Faith is moving out into the dark, remembering that Jesus said, I am the light of the world and I will bring light to your darkness. You want to be a happy camper? 
then look your toolbox over. You want to be a good fixer-upper in the kingdom of God? To mend some lives that are broken? To help some families that are hurting? To help this church or any church anywhere that needs some help? Then the important thing is to have the right tools. Don't piddle around and play around with the wrong tools doing the wrong things. If you've got the right tools, then the important thing is to use them. And even if you're a klutz, like I am when it comes to physical repairs, we can't just sit down and do nothing. We've got to keep on keeping on. Cal Bonham is the executive director of the Ohio Convention. Cal was director of evangelism for the state of Oklahoma, and before that a pastor, and Cal and I have been friends for a long, long time, and recently I ran across a story that Cal wrote. By the way, he's a very sick man, we need to pray for him. Tremendous physical problems right now. And anyway, here's his story. He said that a mother wanted to hear a very famous pianist in a recital. And so she did everything possible to get tickets, and she was able to get tickets. She did her best to get a babysitter or to get somebody to take care of her seven-year-old boy. And she couldn't find anybody to take care of him. So she said, all right, maybe he'll behave, maybe he'll mind, I'll, I'll take him with me. So she took him to the concert. The big, long, grand piano, Richard, black, ebony, been polished, really fancy, up on the stage. Everybody was buzzing around in the hall. Hall just about filled up with folks. The mother had turned around and was talking to somebody that she knew there in a row behind her. And while she was doing that, the little boy got up out of his chair and came down. The aisle crawled up onto the platform, sat down on the bench, reached forth his hand, that big nine-foot grand Steinway, and he started playing chopsticks. Well, a hush came over the crowd, and then frowns, and then somebody said from the back of the room, get that boy off that stage. Everybody was saying, my goodness, here we've come, this fine recital. Look at that. Well, the wonderful world-renowned pianist was over in the wings waiting to come on. He saw what was happening. So he slipped up behind the little boy. And he put his hands around him. And he whispered into his ear, Keep on playing, boy. Don't stop. Keep on playing. And as the boy kept picking out his chopsticks, this world-famous pianist began to play and to embellish it. And it really became something. I said, keep on, boy. Don't you stop. Keep playing. And then finally, when it was done, everybody stood and applauded and cheered. Why? Because the boy had desecrated a piano by playing chopsticks on it? No. The presence of a master had made the difference. And anytime you feel discouraged or anytime you feel like all you're doing in your Christian life is playing chopsticks, Remember that there's a master who's reaching his arms around you and he's whispering into your ear, keep going, 
Don't stop. Keep going. Don't stop. And when we do, then we're a blessing to other folks. What tools do you have? You've got them. Use them. If you don't have all you need, go to the spiritual hardware store and ask for them. And on your knees, pray to God that you'll be a good steward of the spiritual tools that he'll give you. Let's sing together. Hymn number 179. Let Jesus come into your heart. For when Jesus is in your heart, he directs the way that you're...